welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hey, all. Uh, Dennis, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's so funny. Um, I'm actually in Anchorage for a couple of days. I uh, ran into uh, Dennis at a meeting. Really thankful to have this opportunity. It's it's almost funny because if I I think about my experience, uh, no one that I know, uh, and myself most of all, ever pictures themselves being in a position where they they speak their story about how they've you know what their higher powers have done for them, uh, and as far as recovery goes. Um, the idea of recovery is so foreign to me anyway when I walked into uh, my first meeting. Um, so it's kind of miraculous to me. Um, yeah, I'm going to try to stick to the format, kind of what it was like, what happened, um, what it's like now. Um, I might be a little all over the place, and I'm not necessarily a words person. Um, uh, but let's get started. So I think the biggest thing to know about my recovery journey, uh, it's something I try to share um, with people I help guide through the process, uh, is that I am an escape artist um, and a medicator. And will find anything I can find and did from a very early age to not have to uh, feel things I didn't want to feel. Um, when I When I was little, that was kind of uh, in my home, that was kind of the the tone. I didn't I didn't see any kind of um, honest relationship uh, to things that were felt. There was a lot of denial and avoidance, um, a lot of pretend, and so I learned to pretend uh, to um, maintain the status quo in my home from a very little age. Uh, I remember doing things uh, to micromanage in a codependent way uh, people around me, so I'd be okay. Whether that was my raging father um, or uh, the quote-unquote savior that was my mother. Um, I needed to make sure that um, they were okay so I was okay and so that meant being afraid wasn't allowed um, and crying was not allowed. Um, it meant uh, anger, um, anger like wanting something to be different and saying something about it that was not allowed and so um, I wanted to shove those things right away. It was kind of my own version of uh, sticking it to the man, I guess, as a will against my parents. It was my own uh, way to find control in a world that was uncontrollable to me. And so even before I found um, uh, sexual acting out behavior, I was already a pretty heavy luster when it came to looking for things that would make me not have to feel uh, what I was feeling because my feelings were intolerable. And so, whereas I may have found uh, 
uh, sexually acting out and uh, as the um, as the act per se of my lust um, my lust has included all forms um, of different things uh, from electronics to work to um, athletic activity to uh, any kind of habit or hobby that I've chosen to pick up to avoid feeling anything. So I'd say the first time that I uh, walked into uh, walked into sexual behavior around my medication uh, was uh, when I was 12, um, about 12 and a half years old. Um, I remember stumbling across something. I'm, I'm in the uh, millennial generation, so everything's online. Um, stumbling across uh, something online and staying a little too long. Uh, I remember what it felt like internally. I remember the initial shock. Um, I vaguely remember the euphoria that slowly came over me and then I was frozen. Um, I don't know if I could have said it at the time, but I was unable to move. Um, and when I finally did come down from that internal high, I felt really good and like I was floating on a cloud. And all of a sudden, uh, I, I, I could deal with, um, I could deal with my feelings. <laughs> I, uh, I remember having <laughs> uh, walking out of that room uh, at night in the dark, <laughs> oddly enough, and going up to my room and not not knowing what to do. I was so excited. It was like I um, had just found the thing. Um, I also remember, though, at the same time, feeling a nervousness that somehow there was something weird or fishy about it. It wasn't quite right, but I would make frequent twips, uh, trips down to that room over the next couple months. Uh, those frequent trips became more frequent, um, always at night, always in the dark. Um, as I kind of began to hide this um, piece of me, I remember different seasons. Uh, one of my favorite things in the program is that anyone can stop, but not anyone can start again. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, but that's what actually really got me into these rooms. Um, the first time that I uh, walked into a masturbation, I was 15, which is much later than most people. Um, but that put me on a whole nother train. Uh, that would accelerate my acting out uh, to aggressive and intense levels that involved lying to everyone around me, um, behaviors. Uh, that I had never dreamed of doing, I found myself in. Um, I, I would not sleep at all. Sleeplessness was a huge piece of that. Uh, ended up developing um, adrenal problems from my anxiety and lack of sleep <laughs> due to my disease uh, through high school um, and then well through college and after. Um, I remember particularly, though, feeling so deeply miserable. I remember having a conversation uh, with a couple guys. Uh, one of them asked me um, if I could never act out again, what would I do? And, and remember figuring out that I was unable to comprehend life without acting out. Yeah, not only did I not think it was possible, I didn't even have a paradigm to understand it. A couple of years later, um, I remember 
uh, lying to a friend that I was supposed to get a meal with instead of acting out for a couple hours and said, oh, I was late. And I was late to a lot of things that tended to be a habit when you tend to be a lust addict. And so uh, this one particular friend I missed missed a, a meeting with and I remember sitting uh, sitting in a chair at a desk and thinking to myself, just how despicable I felt about me. And that's a feeling I would have very often. Uh, feel horrible after the act, promise I'd never do it again, pull myself up on my bootstraps and my will and step, you know, and step into the trying. All this while I was micromanaging and managing all my relationships. What I didn't realize is that the reason that I was acting out was because I guess became so tired needing to make sure everyone was okay around me, that I would need relief. Um, and I wasn't really able to put that together, that um, I was so codependent in the way that I treated others and needing to perform in this performance identity that the weight and anxiety and how tired I got in all my relationships is what pushed me to that kind of relief. And the relief came easy, but it became harder and harder over time. I remember eventually I couldn't, the despair would, like I wouldn't even begin to start acting out. It's like I would just start and within seconds the despair would hit. Sometimes I would rage through it because I'd be so mad that I could not get the relief anymore that I wanted. Um, but I remember this one particular moment and uh, feeling no more disgusted in myself than other times, but all of a sudden it was like enough was enough. It was like, you know what? I hate this. I hate that this is about me and something spurred me to make a move. And I knew someone who was in the program asked me to get a white book and to read through the first couple of chapters and go through the checklist on the front. And I checked off everything on that list. It was like, it was just reading my language, speaking something about me that I didn't want to be true. But all of a sudden it was, it was very real. And then I'm going to a meeting about a month and a half later. I uh, walked into that meeting, looked around, thought these people are weird. Uh, I don't get them. They're also like demented. I think I remember thinking there was there was something wrong with them, and and they scared me. And so uh, I <laughs> I had a conversation as I was leaving where I thought that. If it had not been for the fact that I knew that these some of these people had been able to walk away from what they had, um, I remember thinking, well, if, this, if these people are this bad, this should be easy for me if I just start coming to these things. <laughs> and uh, I didn't show to another meeting for four or five months. <laughs> uh, when I finally did, uh, it was after a, a considerable binge I'd already had that first little inkling in the mind that there were people who were able to recover about a life who didn't feel massive amounts of shame about themselves uh, and that they were going to these things. And that kind of festered in my mind. And every time I would sink to a low or desire to come out of a hole, I'd remember that. When I walked back into a meeting about five months later and I started coming back. And I don't necessarily think that I started coming back because I um, thought it was a wise thing to do or had any of my crap together. I started coming back because uh, I just believed that someone had something that I wanted. Um, 
and I, I was working in, uh, in, a, in a situation at the time uh, where I was working every day. I was working 16 hours a day. And so uh, the best thing I ever, huh, I ever, the best thing that my higher power ever allowed me to do was to seek out a sponsor in my program. Um, so as far as things that I did, um, I sought out a sponsor. I started working the steps and started finding ways to be of service initially before I sponsored others and be sponsoring others. Um, all through my higher power, I believe those things have allowed me to, um, I believe I've mentioned this, I spent almost two years of sobriety. Um, my birthday is July 7th, 2016. Um, and so as I started going to this program, I relapsed multiple times um, after two months, three months, four months. I just could not seem to get it together, quote-unquote, as I thought at the time. What really was happening is that I had not fully surrendered to the idea that that I had a problem. Um, I always thought that if I developed good enough tools, I could manage my problem instead of recognizing that my life was unmanageable and I needed power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. Um, but I started working the steps, uh, even though I did not believe that. Um, I do remember one day in a meeting just starting crying, realizing that um, I was the sickest person in that meeting. And I think that was the first day um, that my higher power uh, gave me the courage to step into my recovery. Um, and it's definitely not been an easy thing. Um, there have been uh, relationships that I've lost. Of, it's been honestly the hardest life-wise several years where stuff has happened in my life that would have just rocked me, absolutely bent me over and and toppled me to the ground and put me in situations where I would have binged uh, until I could not binge anymore. Um, and the miraculous thing is that uh, I don't have to act out in those moments. Um, Sometimes I look back and, and I think, you know, I almost forget. The idea that I have the propensity to forget what it was like to act out is miraculous in and of itself. Um, it's it's something that I'm, you know, people say in the program a lot, not sufficiently grateful for. I think the biggest thing for me, though, has been the, the, uh, the transition from shame. Um, I like the acronym for that, should have already mastered everything. Um, that was definitely the way that I lived my life, and everything included people. I should have already mastered people. I should have already been able to control people, make them work out the way I wanted them to work out, um, and that included myself. I found that uh, the uh, the control that I needed to have over others, the things about others that I despised, the things about myself that I despised even more. And as I started to walk into my recovery and started to actually do the steps and started to uh, walk into the harder ones, uh, move past step three, move into four, five, six, seven, eight, um, the promises started to come true for me. Um, but they did not come true the way that I thought they would. And I thought after I finished each step, it'd be like swallowing a pill. And all of a sudden, my life would feel better. Uh, almost like it would be the inverse of my acting out behavior. Take the pill, do the deed, feel the dopamine, and feel good. But that's not what happened. It was way more real than that. I remember finishing my step four and feeling a massive amount, not of relief, but of uh, weightlessness. I remember sitting on the floor in a room and feeling weightless. 
it was like I had just stripped off all these pieces that had just clung to me that I hadn't known. But that was after a process of 10 months of feeling like I was vomiting up uh, disease, sin, grossness. Like I just pictured myself as just throwing up for 10 months before I reached that place. And I thought it'd be so much easier, but it wasn't. I guess when you have almost 400 resentments on your resentment list, that tends to be the case. I remember walking through my step five and talking my face off and not having anything else I could say. Instead, I felt this massive amount of fear. Uh, I felt naked. I felt naked in a way I had never felt naked before. And it wasn't gradually over months until I realized that I was going to be okay with that kind of step. I remember uh, step six, writing down all these different ways, all these different pains. Step seven, step eight, step nine, ten. Like, it's been a process for me where each one's never been what I thought. I've had to surrender my expectations. I've had to surrender my expectations of what my steps would look like. I've had to surrender a process of where they would go. I've had to surrender what my day would look like and the outcome even of my program. My sponsor told me after about four months into the program, he said, Jay, the problem is that you uh, overthink everything. The problem is your mind. Your mind is your problem. Um, He said, do you know what the difference is between the spiritual and the religious experience? And I said, what? So religious experience is something that you work. Spiritual experience is something that works for you. He would actually describe that difference in probably five or six different ways over the course of those first couple months. But the biggest thing that I realized is I had to let go of my expectation of what the program would look like, what my outcome would look like, what my life would look like after I had walked into the program. I had to just believe that anything that was different than what I had was better. And it was definitely better. I remember my first 90 days, the withdrawals I had, it was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be a heroin addict. Um, And I have friends who've died that way, and I've seen different things that have happened. Everything from showering in clothes to sleeping with a belt on to all different kinds of things that I had to do to get those first 90 days. And it was awful. Uh, And it's something I look back on and pray to God that today I won't walk back into that. and as I've dropped to my knees and as I open my hands, ask for my higher power to enter and be present with me every day, I'm able to live in uh, restored relationships that I never thought I could restore forgiveness for people that harmed me that I had carried for decades, letting go of resentments uh, that I just did not think would ever go away and desiring good for people that I hated with a deep, deep malice, I'm being able to walk back into relationships with my family. Uh, friends to feel cared about, to let go of that codependent performing piece of me one step at a time, to be able to name it, to acknowledge it, and surrender it, that I don't have to perform uh, for my higher power. And if I don't have to perform for my higher power, I don't have the anxiety, the tiredness, uh, the relational weight that I need relief from. Um, and And the more I grow towards understanding who my higher power is and who he is to me, uh, the more I'm able to sit in that uh, today I don't have to manage everyone around me. And if I don't have to manage everyone around me, I'm not going to need relief from that management. Um, And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a a 
context I don't think I would ever understood or known. Um, it's a, a frame of living that I just wake up in now that I don't know if I, if I um, could ever have, gosh, I don't know if I could ever have even imagined that that would be true. It was like walking around in a fog, but believing the fog was the best there was. And then all of a sudden realizing that I wasn't walking in the fog. I was walking with a 100-pound pack on my back um, trying to climb up a mountain. I'm, I'm sitting here in, in Anchorage today looking at these mountains, picturing myself with a 100-pound pack trying to climb them. Um, instead of letting my higher power carry me, um, it's honestly a huge weight off. It's 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 relief, <laughs> but a different kind of relief. I wouldn't even know if I'd use that word, but it's relief from the performance. It's it's a relief from the anxiety. He offers me presence in those things. Um, the people in the program um, offered me that, but it was like something in me finally clicked, and it took what it took. Um, so. I'm so thankful my higher power um, for the chance to live today uh, in a frame of mind that I couldn't have imagined two years ago. And uh, I'm really thankful for the opportunity to be able to be of service to other people in that way. And, and then that benefits me in my recovery. Um, you know, I used to think the program when I walked in this first year was about sobriety. The truth is sobriety doesn't give you that peace of mind. Sobriety does not give you a framework of honesty and repentance with people that you've wronged. Sobriety doesn't give you um, relationships that are deep. Sobriety doesn't give you connection to your higher power. Sobriety doesn't do any of that stuff. Recovery does that. And recovery happens to work in the steps and work in the steps honestly um, and work in the steps with the kind of integrity that you're willing to lose your life to have um, because you've already lost it. And they recognized that, that for me, the disintegration of my life was to be dead. Dead isn't dead. Dead isn't dropped cold in the ground and put in the slab underground. And I have friends in the program um, and outside the program who have sought that option um, of um, not, working, not working the program. The Jesus cost them that. Um, and it was amazing that that recognition uh, for me Think about it like Iron Man a little bit. He's got the, the device in his chest, and he has to have his uh, uh, reprieve every day to keep those metal shards from going to his heart. That's me. Um, but not only am I in that process, but I'm also in the process of, you know, he eventually in installs something that doesn't need to be replaced all the time. So my, my higher power is slowly growing in me uh, a peace and understanding in my disease um, that allows me to live today like I could not live yesterday. It doesn't always feel that way. I don't always understand it that way. A lot of times it feels like I, I just take steps back or I take months back or I'm back in day two of my program and, and going, what the heck today? I didn't expect today to be so difficult. Um, but it's also been me learning to surrender those expectations of what my days would be like but to have expectancy that my higher power, if I reach him, will meet me in those things and give me a power to, um, to walk into an unmanageable life and still be okay. So um, thank you for allowing me to share, and um, I just really appreciate the chance to be here. So thanks, Dennis. I appreciate it.
I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.